0: This is the Humarian Health Podcast.
1: Spilling our guts for the well-being of yours.
0: This is Dr. Sean Benzinger with the Humarian Health Podcast. We want to uh, welcome you to the program. Today we're here with a very special guest. We're here with Dunny Landolt. She is the, um, I guess, the owner, the leader of the Leader Dogs for the Blind. And first of all, I wanted to welcome you to the program and thank you for taking the time to update us and educate us on such a, a worthy cause.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me today. And and just so I don't mislead anyone, I'm the chief marketing officer okay. at Leader Dogs for the chief Blind. Chief
0: marketing. Okay. Well, I was giving you, the, like, total reins on this.
1: <laughs> you certainly were.
0: Okay. Well, that's all right. Okay. Well, we <laughs> it might change in time. That's right. Okay. So let's just talk about, so you've been chief marketer for this organization for how long?
1: Uh, I moved into this role with the organization just over a, a year ago um but I've been with Leaderdog nearly 4 years at this point.
0: Wonderful. And kind of what drew you to this in the first place? I'm just curious.
1: Huh, it it's an interesting question because my background is is totally different. Uh it it's all in sports marketing, huh. uh sponsorship activation and, and and sales, kind of a side 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 of things, but I, I was approached by this organization, actually by a recruiter for this organization, and once I met the leadership here and saw their vision mm. and saw the expertise and, and vision that they had for the future of this organization, I was I was quickly drawn to, to the work that they did and, and couldn't be happier with the team that i am on. that's
0: wonderful. Uh, just curious, what sports were you mostly... Um, Dealing so with.
1: I spent I spent some time at the University of Kentucky in their athletic department, So Great. all of their collegiate sports, and then I worked on an event called the World Equestrian Games. Oh uh, wow! So it's the World Championships in eight different equestrian sports. So Makes kind sense of in Kentucky,
0: doesn't it? I mean, Kentucky it certainly does. Uh, horses are big. I mean, that's that's huge. I've been down there and seen that's some right. beautiful shows. That's for sure. So mm-hmm. it drew you to this, and it was kind of like this is this just fits fits where I'm at
1: you got it you know sometimes nonprofits can be equated with unsophisticated mm-hmm. and when when i met this group it couldn't have been further from from the truth and as i had the opportunity to speak with them and see their vision and, and how we want to continue to grow this organization uh, it was me basically begging that they bring me on to the team wow so i'm Isn't unfortunate that enough that they that they allowed me to join that's yes.
0: great well and i have to ask cuz you know dunny is a little bit Different? Yeah, I, I haven't heard—in fact, you, you're the first, so I'm, I'm feel pretty excited about that. Um, so where'd that come from?
1: Well, if you have any listeners that, that have a Portuguese background, I was actually born in Brazil, and oh. my name is Danielle. Uh, so the Portuguese pronunciation is Daniele, Daniele. so Dani for, for short.
0: How cute! Well, that's wonderful. I, I certainly like it. I it it well, I had you. I needed clarity because of the spelling, but it makes sense with it being Portuguese and from Brazil. Is that where you were raised?
1: Yes, I was born in São Paulo and São Paulo. and but only wow. lived there uh, for a short time. I, I actually grew up mostly here in the United States.
0: Wonderful. Yeah, and I've been to São Paulo, and I also went to Iguazu Falls and got to see some beautiful things. Brazil's a Gorgeous, gorgeous country! It really is. That's With for sure.
1: wonderful people. Yes, absolutely. Yep,
0: absolutely, I was treated very well that entire two weeks, and really enjoyed it. So, back to leader dogs. Even though we, yeah. if we could do our interview in Brazil next time, let's let's try to arrange that. Okay, we'll go from there. <laughs> so, let's Perfect. talk about leader leader dogs for the blind. Let's talk about the history and where it came from, and kind of uh, how how many years. Well, who started it?
1: Absolutely. So at Leader Dog, our mission is to empower people who are blind or visually impaired with lifelong skills for safe and independent daily travel. Uh, We were actually founded in 1939 by three Detroit Area Lions Club members. Uh, They actually had a friend who was visually impaired who had been denied entrance into a guide dog organization. Wow! And true Lions service fashion, which is anybody who who is a part of or has worked with their local Lions Club, they know this is how they are, they saw a need and they sought a solution. And that solution was that those three Detroit Area Lions Club members founded Leader Dogs for the Blind. Uh, We're in the same location as we were. We've been the same place for 79 years. Uh, We started in an old farmhouse. Of course, our, our campus has changed dramatically since that time. Um, But we we are still the the same organization that that they envisioned that day, providing our services free of charge to our clients. Uh, And and so Lions Club still, from that founding time across the United States and internationally, remain vital supporters of of our organization to this day.
0: Unbelievable. That is so amazing because you know as well as I do over that period of time It is very, very difficult to be able to maintain the funding and the focus and the, um, I I guess the programs to be able to drive funding to make sure this keeps happening. That's that's amazing. Oh my! No wonder you were excited to get uh, associated with this organization. (laughs) So what we're talking about, and you still said free. So what are they receiving free?
1: Yep. So, so the main services that we provide, we have three main programs. So, of course, which we're best known for and what, of course, is our largest program is our guide dog training, a 25-day resident a twenty five residential training uh, where the clients travel here to our campus in Michigan, Rochester Hills, uh, stay on campus with us for up to 25 days where they meet and learn how to work with their dog. Uh, we also do have, as part of that, a dedicated desk blind guide dog training program. Oh, We're actually the o- yeah the only organization in the Western Hemisphere with a, a dedicated deaf and blind leader dog training program. Wow. Uh, we also provide uh, accelerated orientation and mobility training or white cane training, which is what people would most likely uh, be familiar with, which is a week-long program. Here and what it oftentimes helps people to do is is gain those vital skills necessary in order to later work successfully with a guide dog. And then we have a week-long leadership camp for teenagers who are blind or visually impaired. Uh, for many of them, it's their first time away from home and and surrounded by teenagers just like them. Uh, they're mm. they're forced to, or, or challenged, I should say, to to really. Uh, look at themselves as just differently abled, right, and to not make excuses, mm. to know that if they set their mind to, to anything, uh, they're able to achieve it. And, and it's, it's, it's a really powerful week here on campus. And, and a lot of lifelong friendships are, are developed during that week, and, and certainly a number of those teenagers come back to us for, for subsequent training with our program.
0: That's marvelous, marvelous. Now, is the demand skyrocketing, or is it kind of leveling out?
1: You know this this is a good question, and I, and I'll provide you with with sort of the the, the climate today. Okay. So worldwide, thirty nine people are legally blind. Uh, here in the united states, the the number is one point three million people. But this year alone, here in the u s, seventy five thousand people will become blind or visually impaired. Wow. And only ten percent of those people who are blind or visually impaired worldwide, Travel independently with either a white cane or a guide dog. Um, at Leader Dog, our vision is that everyone who is blind or visually impaired can travel safely and independently. So really, we're we're barely scratching the surface, and that's our goal is to let more people know about our services, know that they're available to them, yeah. know that they're free of charge and accessible. Uh, so that we can, we can help more people and anybody who, who wants to be, because that's our vision. We think everybody deserves that opportunity.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you hear that 9 out of 10 basically lose their quality of yeah. life, their function of life, and, and, and being able to return to even basic functions is difficult. That's, that is very impressive, and I did not know those numbers. That's unfortunately frightening. How do you perpetually um, supply the funding to keep this rolling?
1: So to, to supply the funding, to, to keep this rolling, we are 100% philanthropically supported. Wow. Uh, so we don't receive any state Great. or federal funding. It's through the generosity of individuals, corporations, foundations, and, and of course those Lions Clubs we've talked about. But yes. uh, we're we on a $13 million annual operating budget. So wow. our ability to to raise those funds is is critical. Um, but it's amazing the support that that we have out there.
0: Well, I tell you what, we just need to <clears throat> have our federal government pass uh, something that said for just twenty percent of the funding that we spend on these these um, uh, these uh, political things that they're doing, just give it to you guys, <laughs> and you're going to take care of the world on this. I'm thinking that's all you got to do. I think we, we should would put that love forward. To. What a waste <laughs> of money! This is great use of money. Okay, so let's just talk about breeds, uh, breeds of dogs. Are there special yeah. types that you work with? Are there some that you just really have chosen to stay away from?
1: So also a great question, and, and of course, if you can think about where, where we started and our roots and where we are now— uh, we did. There was a time in our past where we would go to uh, local humane society societies and animal shelters and and evaluate the dogs there mm-hmm. and and try to choose those that that we felt could we could had the right disposition for our training. So so we've certainly trained everything from uh, Dobermans to Australian Shepherds, Standard Poodles, uh, really you name it, Dalmatians. If you name it, we we've probably trained it. Uh, huh. But as time went on and and we grew as an organization, right. uh, we do now have have our own um, breeding stock that that we know have have really been successful uh, for for our organization. And we focus now on on three main breeds: so Labrador Retrievers, Golden Retrievers, and and German Shepherds are the three breeds we now use exclusively.
0: Wow, so the retrievers do a wonderful job within this.
1: They do a wonderful job, yes.
0: Okay. And I knew the German Shepherds. I knew that it's some of the smarter dogs that have ever been produced, and they, not only in this area, but in many areas, is used effectively.
1: Yes, you've got an, in a number of, of service areas. That's absolutely right. And, and the same can be said um, for, for Labrador Retrievers and, and even Goldens. You're really starting to see them across service organizations uh, be used more and more often. Um, for for a variety of reasons.
0: Well, you, you, and I would bet not all the dogs prior to that were making it through the training and accomplishing the goal, right?
1: That's correct, right? So as we continued to throughout our history, right, we've always been measuring which dogs are are taking to the training like the work, because of course, any of our dogs that go on to become leader dogs are ones that just show a a passion for for working. Sure. Uh, Sure. and, And as we went on and you know, in, in the, the more than 80 years we've been, been doing this, um, it, that's what we found is that these breeds are, are the most successful for us.
0: And, and so with that, you're seeing some specific differences between your leader dogs because you're, you're specifically labeling the type of dog, the type of training, and what it takes in comparison to other service dogs that you have worked with or uh, are in the industry.
1: Correct. So, so really, the and, and that's exactly right. So we train, and sometimes we get those phone calls of, well, I, I have I have diabetes or seizures or other things. We are specifically training these dogs to become guide dogs, uh, and and what that main question we get is, what is the difference then between a, a guide dog and and a service dog? And it's what we refer to as intelligent disobedience, <laughs> and what that means. <laughs> so that's so, so nice. Right. Well, you'll hear. Right, you'll start to hear your children or others start to say that. Well, mom, that was just intelligent disobedience. What I was doing. <laughs> that's
0: great. You have no chance <laughs> but, at home. It's like, mom, I I'm just like the dogs. What are you gonna do with me? That's
1: right. That's right. Because you know, with a with a service dog, what you what you envision, what most people envision, is turn on the light, or pick up an item, or open the door, show me the door. Uh, and and while our our dogs do. A portion of finding doors and and curbs and those kinds of things, what they also have to do is make that vitally important decision as to when to disobey the request of their handler, wow. the person they're working with.
0: interesting. So
1: you envision you you come up to to a corner, an intersection, and though it's it's time for there's a walk signal up, it would be time for this person to cross the street. What they can't see is that somebody's approached the intersection and is getting ready to make a right on red, and they don't. That person doesn't realize they're going to turn, you know, right into the path of that pedestrian, and that's when that dog makes the decision of, I know that you've asked me or given me the the command to move forward, but I can see this threat out there that that you can't. And so I have to make this determination to say, no, not right now. It's it's not safe at this
0: time. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, you can certainly see see the, the, the feel uh, that has to be trained between the animal and the human so that they are synced together to understand each other. And I can see 25 days is a lot of days of training. But I'm betting that uh, doesn't even get close to what you see years down the line of working with one of those animals.
1: You've got it. And we tell them that. We say, okay, right, you've had this great 25 days to, to start to begin to build your bond together. But we really tell them it takes a strong year together to really become that seasoned team. And and it's beautiful uh, as you see it happen, as they, they really, uh, the handler and dog both really anticipate each other's needs. And they get to a point, I, we had a client who told us a story that, you know, with his dog, when he would go to the gym, she knew that if he was already changed into his gym clothes, she'd just go ahead and make a left and head straight into the gym. If he was carrying his bag, she made a right and took him into the locker room.
0: Oh my and, and he
1: no longer even had to give her those commands because they had just worked so long and so well together mm-hmm. that, that she knew the drill.
0: So how long does um, most of the leader dogs last? And what age, do you, what age do you start them? And then how long, I mean, what's the age of these dogs usually?
1: Yeah. Great question. So uh, our dogs are graduating or being paired with a client uh, here on our campus at about 18 months. So so okay. a year and a half is how old they are. And then our typical working age for a dog is, is anywhere from eight to 10 years. Uh, obviously, that varies. And depending on the dog but that is our average time is about eight to ten years of, oh. of working time per dog
0: now and you say working time I mean are the are the customers the individuals that you're training for the humans are they calling or you're calling the dogs back in at that point uh, what what's happening exchanging them out what what happens
1: yep so so first and foremost, you know, our, our position is that we're here to serve our clients for as long as they're willing and, and able to work with a dog. Um, so, if, if that means every dog, and, and certainly we've had clients that are on their 10th, 11th, 15th okay. leader okay. dog gotcha. uh, since, since having worked with our organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, it, each, each dog, it, it becomes a, a client's individual decision. And it depends for them on if the dog's slowing down and they have a very active lifestyle, mm-hmm. uh, if they're, they're wanting a dog that can, can keep up with their pace. Uh, we are here to support them. We really have a retirement toolbox, things to look for, things to take into consideration. And um, we're here for that support because, as you can imagine, that's a really difficult decision for for your companion. That's that's not only, you think about us and, and all of us who have our pet dogs, oh, yeah. um, that, that, that we draw such a strong bond to. Oh, yeah. This dog is, is really by their side 24-7. I, I agree.
0: Uh, I, I couldn't imagine giving up the dog after 10 years. And, and and you know what I mean? I don't I don't even know how you do that.
1: Absolutely. And, and and think too, we talk about that time it takes to form that really strong bond. You you really look at here's my veteran next to my side and when it becomes appropriate and time to retire them, I am kind of going back to a rookie. Uh, you know that that eighteen month old <laughs> dog that's still really that well trained and eager to do the work, but right. you've got it. And every dog's personality is different, and right. so you you want to work together to to again form that strong bond. So, uh, really difficult decisions for for our clients, but uh, those that have tried to say, you know, I couldn't do it. I after, after I lost my first dog or it was time to retire my first dog, yeah. I just didn't didn't feel I could do it again. But what so many of them find is yeah. all of a sudden I realized I was sitting on my couch and, right. and I wasn't leaving the house. Absolutely. All of that independence I had gained was gone. I mm-hmm. needed to come back and, and push forward. Yeah, that, that would not be a surprise at all. That, that, that. Yeah.
0: Now, um, I have to ask, because most of the listeners are going to say, okay, where do the dogs go?
1: Where do the dogs go? Yeah, when they retire. Those,
0: I mean, they, did they get Social Security? When they retire, and get a nice house with a <laughs> recliner couch or what?
1: Yes, that's right. Good question. So, uh, if our clients are are able and and desire, of course, they have the first opportunity uh, to keep those dogs. But some of them live um, in housing, let's say, where uh, they're they're only allowed to have a service dog. Which, of course, at the time of retirement, oh, okay. uh, that that dog. Um, is no longer a a service dog, or others don't have the means or capacity to have multiple dogs at home. Uh, So a few things happen. First, uh, the dog is offered to the puppy raiser, that volunteer individual who raised that dog for the first 12 months Mm -hmm. of their life Mm -hmm. and got them ready. Uh, They get the phone call. Um, But also we have, as as you might imagine, a lengthy waiting list of uh, general public individuals who would love Love. to adopt these dogs. yes, yes. That they understand it may be a little bit older dog, but they just want to thank them and reward them for all of the hard work they've done over their life.
0: And German Shepherds have a long lifespan. I I mean, Mm -hmm. they usually live pretty long, pretty healthy animals. And I don't know the Labradors as well, but I do know the German Shepherds, so... Fabulous group, uh, fabulous organization. And I can see why you were so excited to take this job. And um, And I think they were lucky to have you. You are very articulate. You certainly know it inside and out. But more importantly, you can hear that you care. And that comes right. through.
1: And that is something that you you know you're having the opportunity to to speak with me, which again, I thank you, but if you spoke with anybody in this organization it's it's what's so amazing uh you, you'd note that we all sound the same. I think we all feel fortunate to to be able to to do what we do um but but really more than anything are in awe of of the people that that we work with and and the courage it takes them to want to live a life of independence and and come out here and, and put the work in to learn to travel independently. Uh, again, it's, it's pretty amazing the people we serve.
0: Yeah, I believe that. So this, uh, for those that um, i have just kind of gotten through the program, Leader Dogs for the Blind, part of our International Assistance Dog Week, Donnie Landolt was kind enough to spend some time with us today, and we really appreciate you taking the time. Now, you, you are going to stay on for a little bit longer because we're going to do it one more time of the whole okay. show in Portuguese, uh, and then yeah. make for, for all our Portuguese listeners. Is that okay? Can you do there that you with go. me?
1: There you go. My Portuguese is not nearly <laughs> a, as strong as my English. Okay. So it well, might be worry, tough. Don't worry. I only know but... two
0: words, and that, that's about <laughs> all we're going to get. And I'm going to just keep saying them in different intonations so people think I'm saying something different.
1: So, there you go. <laughs> Dunny,
0: thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it on the program. I, I know this will be well-received.
1: Well, thank you so, so very much. It's been uh, a pleasure joining you, and thank you for the opportunity.
0: Have a blessed day. You too. Amy Baker, Dr. Sean Benzinger.
1: Humarian Health Podcast.
0: Spilling our guts.
1: For the well-being of yours. That's right. Thanks for having the guts to listen to the Humarian Health Podcast. Make sure you follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Humerian Health. If you have things you'd like to gut check, send us an email at gutcheckathumerian.com.